Jesus said, when you pray. And people have made a whole lot of weirdness out of prayer. And then people have ignored it entirely. Well, Jesus is teaching us something that I want to tell you about today called surrendering in prayer. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think that. I'd love to hear about it. We're going to get into some answer time. But I wrote down some things that um, God had been putting on my heart for a while. And I don't normally write things down, which many of you are like, yeah, you should probably use some notes. And so here you go. When you're suffering or when you're struggling, praying isn't all that uncommon. That tends to be when people pray, right? It actually might be the most often time that people pray. But how do you pray? And what are you praying when you're struggling? What's it look like for you? When you got something that's absolutely just tearing you up, how do you pray? Anybody willing to throw out a couple of things? I ask God to give me strength, Buck says. Wonderful. What else? I thank God for being the almighty God that knows everything. He, I don't have to worry about the outcome because he's already got figured out. Michelle says she thanks God for being almighty, for already knowing how it's all going to pan out. He's already got a plan. So asking him for strength, thanking him for his Sovereignty and how amazing he is. Anybody else? Kind of cultural a little bit, but yeah. you know, the kind of let you be you. And the Lord's just been really impressing that on me. It's like that I want God to be God. And, and as he reveals mm. himself continually to me, I realize that sometimes, oh, I'm doing things that, that it's like, no, I am submitting to God. God's mission is first. Anything I have on my plate that I even feel from him is a sub. So it's like, I want mm. to let God be God, and he reveals to me every single day Amen. how my life doesn't line up with that, and it, and it draws me to it. It's like, no, that's really what I want. That's good. So that's good. It's letting go for me. Amen. Submitting to God. Letting God be God. As bold as that sounds, we actually have to come to that surrender. But realizing I don't as much as I think I do. Okay, that's fair, too. Jeff, your hand was up. Uh, my name is Jeff Knight, and I make bad choices. Uh, hi, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And again, it's not like he's like, what? <laughs> Thank you for that humility. Darcy? Um, I've started trying to find scripture that fits my situation mm. to pray that into my situation. Amen. Good job. God's word <laughs> in prayer. Oh, my goodness, you guys. And it's not like, you know, let's see how much Bible I could get in this prayer. And then God has to give me what I'm asking for. We're going to manipulate God? I mean, some of us do that in prayer. Let's not just, hi, I'm Jeff, and I make bad decisions. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm here to make a deal. <laughs> Pleading with him. What's that? Yeah. I was, tell- I was telling this little girl about how there was a bear that was chasing an atheist, and the atheist didn't know what to pray, so he just 
stopped and said, God, please make that bear a Christian. And he looked back and the bear had his head bowed and he looked at him and goes, what are you, what are you doing? Aren't you going to eat me? I'm just thanking God for my meal. <laughs> right? I mean, all this, and they say you don't have to be faster than the bear. You have to be faster than your friend, right? And, and we, all these different things and we pray just weird stuff. We pray like complaining and God will take you there. He won't leave you there. But all the way through the scriptures, you're going to see all kinds of prayers in all kinds of different ways. And we're going to talk about complaint and lament. And the lament is grieving deeply, sad, sorrowful, regretful even over some things. A good chunk of the Psalms, actually a third of the Psalms, are lament prayers. Like, Lamentations is a whole stinking book of the Bible. Lamenting. But then there's also praising and surrendering and submitting. Will you join me in Matthew 26? Matthew 26, 36, and we're going to read through 38 and just look at a couple of things and then get to the rest of Jesus' prayer. If you don't know this prayer and doesn't just stand out to you right off the bat, Jesus has already, as Case talked about, implemented the Lord's table. He's washed his disciples' feet. He's told Peter, you're going to deny me. I don't know, I'm not. No, yeah, you're going to do it three times. No, he says, I mean, he answers him by saying, look, I, in Luke 22, says, I prayed for you. The enemy wanted to sift you like wheat, and Jesus said, yes, you can. But my boy's coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to build up his brothers and sisters, and that's exactly what we know has happened. But all of this has happened, and Jesus takes all of his guys who just said, if I have to die for you, I will. He takes them out to a garden called Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. They've had this little moment, and this is where we pick it up. This is, by the way, the night that Jesus is to be betrayed and arrested. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Stay awake with me. This is for sure a lament. This is for sure him being sorrowful. This is Jesus' humanity on full display, you guys. He's a man, and he's God. He wasn't either or. He was both 100% at the same time. He knows you and me. He knows our stuff. He knows what it's like to be us, and yet he's so different. I don't have time to get into a massive treatment of this. But a lament 
versus a complaint. There's something really important I want to ask you to have your eyes and your ears, your heart open to. One of the things that I've experienced the most as a Christian and now as a pastor is that people get hurt by Christians. They get hurt by non-Christians. They get hurt by people. But when the church hurts people, there's something a little bit extra painful in that. And I don't just mean the obvious, horrendous, disgusting things of people being abused, taken advantage of, robbed, lied to, all of the different things. I'm talking ignored, shamed. People don't tell the truth to other people because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And yet when they finally do tell the truth, that's all they're doing is hurting people's feelings. I mean, there's, the list goes on. And people complain about God because of his church. But we're not actually getting into all of that. We're talking about Jesus saying, look, let's go pray. I am super sorrowful. Even to the point of death, literally was about to be killed. And he's torn up, absolutely feeling all the feels. And he laments. Again, I don't have a time to show you all of the lament prayers. But here's something really cool. If you'll join me in Psalm 6, then we're going to go to Psalm 30, so you can keep your finger there if you'd like. We're going to go all the way back to Psalm 6. It's one of the lament prayers. And frankly, David was one of the main lamenters. I will say this. If I came upon David and not knowing his story and I just read some of his stuff, I'd be like, stop whining. What's your deal, man? But you need to know somebody's story. But here's what he often did. He lamented. He didn't complain. A complaint is accusation, putting blame on, and will complain to God about God. And I know that he's big enough to handle that. So if you start there, just don't stay there. But lament as a prayer can keep you from complaining. Listen to this. Psalm 6, 3. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? You might remember in Psalm 40. How long? He's like, look, I'm hurting, but Lord, you're the only one who could do something. How long? There's no complaint. He's just lamenting like, hey, I'm going to need some help here. Where are you at? Anybody ever have that prayer? Where are you at? I mean, we just heard, testified to us, thank you so very much, that he's everywhere. And sometimes we're like, well, if you're everywhere, why do I feel like you're nowhere? A lament is to cry out to God. Go to Psalm 130. By the way, Psalm 6 and 130, they're short. You could read all of them. Here's Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Dear friend, just like Josiah, our new friend at 
Red Robin, if somebody says, how can I pray for you? Give them something. Maybe something to praise, something that's going on in your body, something's going on in your life, whatever it might be, like I need some clarity, all that, that's good. But here's the the other bit of advice I want to ask you guys to pay attention to. Out of your lament, go to God. Pray. People say, oh gosh, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. And I'm a guy, and I'm not a good, hands-on, fix-it kind of guy, but I still love to try to make things better. You know how often in marriage, Kathy has come to me upset about something, and my first thought is, how can I fix it? What I'm trying to tell you out of Psalm 130, verse 1, is talk to God. First step. Gosh, I don't know what to do. I guess I should just pray. Yeah, good move. Woo, that's good. Start there. Stay there. I mean, you get to move and do some things too, but I mean, start with prayer. Stick with prayer. End with prayer. And so with all of that, just a quick little, I mean, literally just two out of, I can't even remember, 40-something, 43 or 44 different psalms that are laments, and that's just that. Again, a whole book of lamentation. Let's go back to Jesus Remember, so we're back in Matthew 26, and I'm going to jump in with verse 39. But as you're turning there, I'll have 38. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. Jeff, when you said the, I'm Jeff, I make bad decisions, I thought, like, I'm like, how do you pray? Some of us on our face. On our lips, like I don't even, oh God, here I am again. I don't know what to say. He doesn't like, uh, lift your head, I can barely understand you. <laughs> he hears you, he knows you, he knows your heart. Jesus goes a little farther, falls on his face and prays, saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will but as you will. What's his lament? What's he upset about? We get a little bit of clarity. We know the rest of the story. But just right here, he's asking about a cup. Did he not? I've had way too much wine tonight. I don't want to drink any more wine. What's What's he hoping to have passed? What's the cup? Separation, suffering, abandonment, death. Some people are like, no, no, no. You're cute. You didn't go to seminary. What this really means is the cup of God's wrath. Yep. And all those other things. (laughs) He's a dude. He's a man. He's got a ton of stuff coming, and he knows what's coming, and he's taking it on. But his first matter of prayer is, If this can be taken from me, please do. Nevertheless, you can say, but, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he says to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Come on, Pete. 
Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. That's a word enough. If I'm going to lose you, let that land for you as an application point. Watch and pray that you won't give in to temptation. Whether it's temptation to accuse and blame God and then you have an excuse to turn from him and do your own thing or you know something's coming. A friend of mine was talking about how he prays that he won't give in to the temptation of getting high while he's loading a pipe with what he's going to get high with. I was like, my brother, praying before that, listening before that. He goes, yeah, but I'm just hoping he'll stop me. I'm like, he just might. Choke. Somebody walks in the door, you get a text. But he's been talking to you way before that. So Jesus says, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation or enter into temptation. I love that. Thank you, Lord, the correction there. You're not falling into it. <laughs> you enter into it. <laughs> Ooh, that looks pretty good. <laughs> I'll just enter into that temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them there again. And he went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Church, tell me what those words were again, one more time. If you can take this cup from me, if it will pass. How many times did Jesus pray this? Didn't he know what was going to happen? Does this sound familiar? Somebody's sick. Finances are falling apart. Mental health is just running ragged. You live in a state that is whatever, fill in the blank. And you come to the Lord over and over again, and you're like, please take this. Please change this. I asked my friend, are you praying for your wife? He's like, yes. She's not changing at all. Let's talk about what you're praying about. Let's talk about how you're praying. Do you remember when Jesus tells a story, this little quick parable about a Pharisee who's in the temple Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like a bunch of jacked up people, especially this tax collector over here. And the tax collector over here is, can't even look up. Oh, God, please have mercy on a sinner like me. And Jesus said, the sinner went away redeemed that day. Not the righteous, not the self-righteous. The perfect lamb of God knew that he was the only one who could pay the price for our sin. The only one that could endure all of this. And yet three times he's like, hey, daddy, if it's possible, if you've got some other plan, I would love to see that happen. And then he surrenders. Yet your will be done. Listen to this. 
He leaves them again, prays a third time. Then he came back to his disciples after he prayed that third time. And he says, sleep and take your rest later. See the hours at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Hmm. He knew it was coming. Prayed three times. And after that third time, he's like, wake up, fellas, it's game time. He was prepared. I'm telling you right now, I believe that he was prepared way before this. But he, as a man, was being very honest to God. I'm hurting. I don't want this. But what I want more than what I don't want, that is your will. So I got to quickly get after it. To talk about surrender and submission, I want to ask you to look up a story of a woman named Joni, or Johnny, sorry, Johnny Erickson Tata. She was 17 years old, an amazing athlete, great swimmer, diver, tennis player. She was going to college. She wanted to be in athletics in some way, shape, or form. She tries to do this really fancy half-pipe dive, hits the bottom of the beach with her head, paralyzed for the rest of her life. She was a Christian. She's like, oh, Lord, I'm going to look up all the things about healing. And so she looks up all the healing, and there was a lot of paralytics she saw. So she's like, oh, God's going to love and heal me. And so she goes to the Benny Hinn of her time, this woman named Catherine Coleman, and she goes at least three different times to, to be healed, and she's never healed. And then she starts to just get depressed and angry. She goes from, God, you can heal me. So she's praying God, why aren't you healing me? To completely mad at God and depressed. But in that process, you guys, she read the rest of what happened when one of the paralytics got healed. Before he was healed, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. In the process of her lamenting, excuse me, complaining and angry with God, she started to realize that her sin was getting in the way of hearing God. Her sin was getting in the way of actually surrendering to God and submitting to God. And she realized the big deal in that whole story was him being healed of his sin. Jesus could speak the world into existence, so no problem healing a paralytic. But in that story, he says, so you know I have the authority to forgive sins, I'll tell him, get up and walk. And so she said, I started to surrender. I started to praise God. I actually started to thank him for my accident. What? That's a process. That doesn't just happen like that. Some people it does, but for her, she said it took quite a while. And she said this in an article on the Gospel Coalition's website. Bless you. Daily, I'm dying to myself and rising with Jesus. She said it three times in a row. He's a good preacher. Say it over and over again. They'll get it. But this is an idea of surrender that comes after who Jesus was. Do you know that it says that Jesus had to bear his arm for our salvation? 
He spoke the world into existence, but he got his hands dirty for us. This is who we're submitting to. And so in the remainder of time, I'm going to switch gears here for a second. After I say this, surrender is actually admitting you are not the final word. You don't have it all figured out, and you just say, okay, God, not my will, but yours. I submit to you. I don't understand. You don't love how wicked things are around me, and if I'm being honest, you don't like how wicked things are in me, and yet you love us, and you've got a plan, and you're coming back when you say so. And we could pray and say, come back right now, but he didn't save Annette and then put her on the shelf and then just stay there and don't do anything. He saved Annette and is showing people who he is through her in her everyday life and everyday struggles. He didn't save Aaron Day and then beam me up like Scotty. He left me here on purpose. Not just so I could be some preacher or even some, your husband, I don't know, even great husband, but you know, and father and grandfather. No, I get to be an example of his grace. I'm actually a trophy of God's grace. I'm a little statue that gets to walk around and show people who Jesus is. And lots of times I get to show him by falling on my face, getting back up and like, oh, it's, it's not about me. It's about the king. And so we get to and need to surrender. And I would say if you start with complaints or you start with anger or you start with deal-making or pleading with Jesus, it's okay. You're a human. He'll take you right there. But move towards surrender. And some of you have been stuck. You don't want to surrender because you're afraid it just may not change. It might not, but you can. You can be transformed. So, last part of the message is, okay, Aaron talked about will. How do we know God's will? I don't have the time to fully unpack all this. There was a rad, amazing article, and we have it in the uh, message notes for you on our app and it was called, How Can I Know God's Will for My Life by gotquestions.org. And we've got, again, a little thing for you to be able to go there. I'm going to take just a little bit from this. But before I even get into the how, would you go with me really quick to the book of Mark, Mark 3. And I should say this as you're going to Mark 3, and it's Mark 3.35. Jesus knew the will of God because he's God. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a lot better idea of it because of that. But he also, as a man, had to keep submitting to what was already laid out for him in what he knew as the scriptures, which was what we call the Old Testament, and what was happening around him, circumstances, all these kind of things. But he knew the will of God because he knew his father so well. Draw nearer to God. Follow him. Read about him. You're going to hear me talk about this in a bit, but Jesus was so connected to the father. Do you guys remember what Case was talking about? Two weeks ago, when it came to the big stuff in life, Jesus went and prayed. When it came to the little stuff in life, Jesus prayed. He was connected to his Father. And so he knew his will. And even so, he's like, could you possibly take this one from me? But if not, your will be done. Might remind you of a guy named Paul. 
Paul pleaded three different times for God to take the thorn from his side. That's like this symbolic idea that there was something wrong with his body. Some people said he had some kind of pet sin. I, that's more than what the scripture tells us. We know his eyes were jacked up. We know that he had a problem in his flesh and he asked God three times and three times God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is perfected in your weakness. God can heal and take away anything. Sometimes he doesn't. And I'll go so far as to say in Johnny Erickson Tata's article, she says it's more often he doesn't. (laughs) The miraculous healings of the body and of the circumstances are far less than the actual forgiving of sins. And that's a way bigger one. Okay, so to all of that, how do we know God's will? I wanted to bring you to this in Mark 3.35. First and foremost, even why do we want to know God's will? Is it so you can get what you want? No, listen. Mark 3.35, for whoever does the will of God, Jesus says, he's my brother and sister and mother. To do the will of God is to be in God's family. It's to be part of his family. We have to learn what that looks like. So again, back to Matthew. Very quickly, Matthew 21. In this point right here, Jesus has been challenged and questioned, and there's been a ton of different things that have gone on. Cleanse the temple, tons of different parables. But in 2132, He's talking to all these people. In particular, he tells this parable to the Pharisees and to all that would listen about two sons. One that said, we won't go into the field. I won't go in the field and work. And then he does. And the other one goes, yeah, dad, I got you. And he doesn't at all. And he says, which one did the will of his father? And he's like, the first one, the one that said no, but then changed his mind. So he said, John came to you in the way of righteousness. He's talking about John the Baptist. And you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, when you saw them repent, you did not afterward change your minds or repent and believe him. How do I know the will of God? Change your mind. (laughs) Like repent and believe him. Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. He's God in the flesh. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he laid it down. If that is our example and we're not God, let's follow that, friends. Let's follow his example. Let's change our minds. It's not about us. I don't know everything. I'm limited in my scope. Bless you. So believe him and repent. Going further into this, please join me in John 4, 34. How do I know the will of God? First of all, I want to be in the family. That's God's grace that calls you. Secondly, we repent and we believe. We change our minds and we believe. This one's one of my most favorite expressions from Jesus. You might remember, he's at the well 
this woman is there. She's a Samaritan and a woman, and everybody's just kind of tripping when they show up. Like, why is he talking to her? But they don't ask why. And then she goes to get water, and they're like, wait, we went to go get food, Rabbi. Eat. He goes, I got food you know nothing about. And they're like, what? He had some beef jerky and nobody knew about it? What? You let us go out there? I mean, just all these things, right, that go on in their mind. And he goes, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. In another way, he says this in Matthew 5, 6. Hunger and thirst for righteousness because you will be filled. That's going to satisfy you. How do I know the will of God? I want it. I want to do what he says. I want his right way to fill me up. Finally, how can I know the will of God? Romans 12, 2. David, do you still have this one memorized? Will you blurt it out for us, bro? Give me one and two, but two is the one we're looking at, but go for it. Nice job. Nice job. Praise God. How do we know his will? Be transformed. Don't conform. Don't give in to the way the world does things. Don't fight the way the world fights. Don't live the way the world lives. Be renewed in your mind by this transformation that God has for you. Then you'll be able to test his will. And you'll know what his good, perfect, pleasing will is. We have to be renewed by his word. We have to be renewed by his spirit. We can only be transformed that. We say we want to help transform, right? We exist to transform the world with the love and life of Jesus Christ. We can't transform anything without the love and life of Jesus Christ. It's not us that does it. It's him that does it. And whoo, he includes us, church. This is good. And where does he start, actually? Does he start with other people when it comes to you being part of the transformation story? Or does he start somewhere else? Where's he going to start? Outside of you or in you? Where's the kingdom at? Where does it come from? Yeah, it comes from him through us. We get to transform Because we've been transformed, but it's him that does it, and he includes us. Man, it's soul food, and it's all you can eat. (laughs) Here's a quote from that article. God is not hiding his will from us. But some of you are like, but wait a minute. I don't know what car I'm supposed to get. I don't know what girl I'm supposed to get. I don't know what I'm supposed to do about these addictions and all this. And I'm like, gosh, there's so much clarity From him, it just may not be what you were hoping for specifically and walk with him. But if you're like, God's not listening because he didn't tell me about my outfit. Here, I just quickly want to show you literally just what four verses, one, two, three, three verses where God talks about his will in the Bible. I mean, he's already like Micah 6, 8. 
Anybody want to sing this one? He has shown thee. Just kidding. But he's shown you what's good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Yeah, but what? A, no, no, no. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Yeah, but okay. I'll give you a different one. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. Yeah, but no, no, no. Yeah, but stick there. He'll lay it out for you. God's not hiding his will from us. How about this one? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Whoo! Surely he means something else other than all circumstances. <laughs> oh, be thankful in all circumstances. What else does he say is his will? 1 Peter 2.15 says, doing good is his will. Whoo! How about James 4.17? Just a bonus Jonas for you here real quick. James 4.17, if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it for you, that's sin. Do good. Let him define good. And finally, back to 1 Thessalonians. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart, made holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Church, often we've made sexual immorality out to be homosexuality only. You know what God wants for us? Holiness. Be set apart. He's not even saying it needs to be heterosexuality. What he's saying is, if you have sexual expression, it needs to honor God. So pornography, gone. Lust, gone. Pedophilia, gone. Trafficking, paying for sex, all of it, gone. Sex outside of marriage, gone. The word here is porneia. It means sexual immorality. It's where we get the word pornography from. I am seriously at like 10 feet past the end of my rope on watching how sexual immorality is destroying people in this church. Just because you have an attraction doesn't mean you have to give into it. Whether it's same sex, opposite sex, some weird fetish. Ew. Word. Ew is right. Do you know that all of that is ew to God? You know, often people are like, yeah, yeah, I'm living in sin. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm, I live with my girlfriend. Oh, you can live with somebody without sinning. <laughs> But we're, we're not married, and we're having some of the benefits of marriage. I'm like, then repent. Eh, I don't want to. I can't. We're married in the eyes of God. You guys, it's God's will that you and I should avoid sexual immorality, not binge watch it. And that was for me. If you got convicted by that, then so be it. (laughs) I know I've said this to you a bunch of times. But I think oftentimes we know God's will because we've avoided it. Go to the stuff he's already told you. Get to know him more and he'll share even more with you.
it'll make more sense to you. And if you join me in Psalm 37, four through five, we can finish with this before we talk about how we move towards Jesus. Psalm 37, four through five. It's got a tiny bit of lament in it, but it's really more of a, just a big deal about Jesus. I don't know if my friend Jace is gonna be here today, but he wanted me to share this last week and I was gonna surprise him because it was already supposed to be on today's message, but Psalm 37, four and five. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. You want to know his will? Delight in him. Not just in him giving you what you want, but delight in him. He's the blessing, not just what he gives. So how do we move towards Jesus? Some of you just need to straight up confess. I've been so far from you, God. I've never really submitted to you. It's been about me. It's been about my stuff that I've had that's hurt me. It's been about all the different things that have been done to me or that I've done. I thought for sure because Aaron said no sexual morality, and he brought up one of the things that I do, and I'm just shamed. And yet, wait a minute, he didn't shame me. He said, come to you. Okay, so confess it and repent. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins, it says in 1 John 1, 9, and to cleanse you from all the unrighteousness. So the first step to move towards Jesus is to submit to him. Some of you have already done that, and you're walking it out, and you just don't really, the Bible's just confusing, and it's challenging, and you don't really spend any time in it today. Start by being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Come to the word of God as what it is, his word to you to live. You need to get into a Bible study. You need to get into a small group. If you're looking for it, don't wait for the perfect one because we don't have any of those. (laughs) 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 Thanks, Priscilla. Ours is super cool because Kathy's there. Some of you need to change from complaint to lament to prayer. Lord, I'm surrendering now. I've understood that I've been a whiner and a complainer. I've built a life there, and I'm wrong. I turn from that. Some of you, you're moving towards Jesus is going to look like being more thankful when bad stuff happens. Like Jesus said and like Johnny Erickson Tata repeated, you need to start dying daily instead of hanging on to stuff. Give up your way. And for many of you, all of us to some degree or another, we need to avoid sexual immorality, not wink at it, not approve of it, not try to make it part of our lives. It robs you. And the good news is Jesus takes you right now, right where you're at. So you want a good formula? Tell God the truth and then submit to him. Submit to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the righteousness that's all yours that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. May we receive that. May we recognize that you are God and we're not and humbly submit to your way and to your will. May we know more about your will. May we be like kids that know what their dad wants. 
And thank you, Father, for making it clear in so many ways. And for where we're not clear and where it's challenging, Lord, would you give us patience? Would you give us trust? Would you give us steadfastness? Lord, I thank you for today. I pray for protection that the enemy doesn't come and snag whatever seeds were planted today. Instead, may it take root and grow, I pray in Jesus' name.